Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I've got two guests with me. We're looking forward to a good conversation. I have Pastor Dale Van Dyke and Pastor Adrian Crum. Dale is the pastor of uh, Harvest OPC in Wyoming, Michigan, just a little bit south of Grand Rapids. And Adrian Crum is a recently called associate pastor there, pastor of youth and evangelism. One, I want to think about the Reformed world, Reformed churches, in some ways stereotyped, and in some ways the stereotype earned can struggle with outreach and evangelism, not because they have a lack of desire, just the, 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 the mechanism of it and the being natural and meeting new people and how you integrate people into this. I mean, any church is a new world, yet alone a reformed church that does worship in a certain way and, and has certain principles about how things are governed. How do you guys think about meeting strangers, meeting unchurched people, and bringing them into this world that we love? How do both of you, maybe I'll start with you, Adrian, since you've got to get going on the ground with this and then go to Dale. Well, um, I think it's going to just, it's going to, it's going to change and and, um, it's going to look different in so many different contexts. I've, I've, I've only been here at Harvest for about four months. Um, I, I think we are actually pretty intentional at Harvest to make sure that we aren't using lots of language um, that's difficult to understand. Uh, we believe the realities. We, we read, I think, very robustly at our church, but we don't um, speak kind of above people's heads. I think that's really, really helpful when you're drawing someone into the culture of the Reformed faith. I mean, uh, I think you, you can't do anything immediately. You, you draw people into the life of hospitality. Um, I think Max Stiles also talks about gospel referral, where he is always, you know, if he does a Bible study with someone and then it's kind of petering out, he says, well, maybe can you go and meet this person at our church and, and introduce them uh, to a family context and they're sitting around a table and, and uh, being discipled in that form. So I think just ordinary life lived um, in the context of, of uh, what different different people in the church are are already doing is is significant. And I, and I think because I was raised in a reform context, I'm probably less passionate about taking Christians who um, are already believers and then trying to make them a little bit more reformed. I think I'm a lot more excited about people becoming believers um, because I didn't see I did not at least in our presbytery context see that as much growing up. So I think I, I'm wanting to, to see that change and grow. Dale, what are your thoughts on the potential weakness of Reformed people and Reformed churches connecting with people? And uh, I guess I would explain it this way. I've explained it this way in other podcasts and other articles Outward OPC has done. Sometimes we're really good at finding the person who heard of R.C. Sproul or John MacArthur and taking that person and bringing them in and saying, wow, we already do that. It's a different when you've got somebody who's trying to 
know if they can make it through their marriage or they're excited about the NFL or their, you know, whatever else is going on in their life. It's sometimes it's hard for us to kind of step back into that world. Any thoughts on how you guys have cultivated um, that type of culture or atmosphere? Um, a couple thoughts. One is that the reformed churches are not uniquely bad at this. Uh, so Rainer's uh, study shows that most evangelical churches, it takes it takes one con one Christian. No, it takes eighty five Christians to make one convert. So that's the ratio in most churches, eighty five to one. The OPC is is exactly. If you look at the amount of adult baptisms, we're right there. Um, so it's a it's a problem that's common to Christians of all uh, branches. The the things that uh, and I and I want to say that because I think we give ourselves a pass because we say, well, we have this unique blend you know, of rich theology and heritage and, and, and we have a rich liturgy that, you know, one of the drawbacks of that, all that richness is that it's more difficult to get people in. No, your general Baptist down the street is, you know, they're having the same problem. So this is just unique to human nature, not to reform Christianity. But I think that the, if you look at churches that uh, are effective evangelistically, it's not what we would think. We would think it's a big band. Um, it's a flashy programs. It's state of the art. That's just not true. Rainer shows that too. That in in a in a list of like eleven things that uh, unconverted. So he asked people who were came to church. They were unchurched. They joined a church. Uh, were baptized. Actually came to faith in that church. What brought you to this church? Uh, of, of the eleven things, the the top two things were preaching and doctrine. The bottom number eleven was worship music. People expect worship music to be weird. I mean, the, the, that's just the Christian world. So it doesn't, they're not thrown off by that. But if the Holy Spirit is at work in that heart, they're going to respond to clear, expository, vibrant preaching. We, we have a, um, a man that's been coming and his wife now for about a year and a half. She, I think, is very close. He's still interested, but not, but, but I remember when he was, uh, and this, this still happens to him. So he just can't figure out what's going on. He's, he's a guy about my age, uh, get it done kind of guy. And he says, every time you preach, I end up crying. I have no idea why. And I think that's just the word of God spoken like we mean it, right? But clearly pointing to Christ, uh, addressing the, the reality of, of the human heart. Well, he just, he just never run into anything like that before. And the, you know, I think it's the spirit at work in it, within him. And I've, I've told him that. Um, this is the this is the Lord talking to you. So I think that if if we uh, stop excusing our, our uh, poor performance in evangelism, you know, by appealing to our reformed tradition, if we, you know, Calvin didn't have that problem. And people were coming to faith in droves. Uh, and he was sending them out to die in France, right? He's training pastors to send them back. So I just think... We can have absolute confidence in the power of the word when it's when it's preached um, like it matters and clearly. I think the hindrance of any church, I don't care what brand theologically, but what hinders any church is just kind of going through the motions, not praying, not expecting, not um, not thinking intentionally uh, and not not in some sense really being gripped by the things that we're preaching and teaching. Yeah, that's that would helpful. be my take. On. Thanks. That's very, very helpful uh, to think about. There's a, a bunch in that answer. Um, Dale, if I could uh, ask you a question. Um, Harvest is one of the larger churches in the OPC 
you have other pastors. Uh, I'm thinking now from a listener's perspective, I'm thinking about younger pastors, smaller churches, hearing what we're talking about today and being enthused and loving it, but looking at their structure, looking at where they are and saying, well, it's just, it's two different worlds. Not not being critical that yours is big, just saying, I, I don't, I, I can't even live on that planet. I wonder how you would speak to churches that are younger, uh, church planters, maybe established churches that are smaller and doing well and growing in discipleship and growing, but you know, maybe I've struggled or maybe don't have the resources that a church like yours might have available to have a couple pastors. How would you encourage leaders, pastors, church planters, elders, deacons, to think about what we're talking about today and how can they start to take small strides? How could they be involved in different ways? What encouragement can you give them if they can't see the planet that we're on talking about harvest and a long-time ministry that's planted you know, three or four churches and, and those types of things. Yeah, that's great. I, I would just encourage them that this is not size specific, it's scalable. And if there's, you know, so I remember being a pastor, you know, of a hundred people and, and you're just trying to keep things moving forward. So I can, I completely uh, appreciate that. But I think if, if I could have done it over again, I would have looked for a, for a somebody right from the get go. What I did, what I assumed is that if we just preach, you know, good sermons on Sunday and have good and have good worship. Um, the Lord will sort of bring people in, and He did bring some, but I don't think I was right in that. And I and I think um, I think the Lord asks us to do more, and which is to, to actually go and engage on purpose. So if I had to do it over again and I was a pastor, for, you know, we had a hundred people, I would have prayed for intentionally a somebody that had, um, give, it doesn't have to be a pastor, anybody in the congregation that had the passion, the zeal, the gifts of evangelism. And I would just get around that person and encourage them, work with them, learn from them. Uh, being, uh, um, I, and also, you know, start doing it yourself. So when we were much smaller, I was doing more of this. I was building relationships intentionally with people outside outside of the church. As the church got bigger, I, that's some of that stuff got squeezed out simply for time. But I'm one of the things I'm hoping Adrian will do. I'm in the same boat is kind of what I'm saying. As a senior pastor, I think I've got to model this. I can't just talk about it. So, so I'm praying that and 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 that Adrian will help me grow as an evangelist because I think it's important. But Wherever you are size-wise, if you can find a somebody to get alongside of you and to help you, to encourage you, you work with them, you you encourage them and their, to use their gifts. If that person isn't there yet, pray for the Lord to bring that person there. Because, But don't – I think that what's killing us is that we're just settling for doing it right inside the walls, and we're not thinking about how do we intentionally get outside these walls and, and meet the people of our community. That was my yeah, mistake. I'll just say that. Question for both of you, uh, just maybe uh, we've talked a lot on Outward OPC and people, one of the one of the big questions that we get, it might actually be the number one question we've gotten, is, okay, we kind of get small talk with people. We, we kind of get meeting them after a church service, meeting them in our neighborhood. Hey, how's life? Who are your kids? What do they do? We really struggle with going from a little bit of chit chat and a little bit of small talk 
to getting to something meaningful, whether it's, it doesn't, you know, people even say some, some would like it to be the gospel, you know, every point of the gospel, but a lot will say it doesn't even have to be the whole gospel. I would just like to get to something meaningful in our fast paced world where people, you don't have time. I just wonder if you guys, maybe I'll start with you, Adrian, because you're thinking about it day in and day out and, and experiencing it a bit and then come to you again, Dale. How do you think about moving from the chit chat and small talk, which is not unimportant at all, but then eventually get to something meaningful? And what type of time frame and patience do you have in your mind to do that? Yeah. So my dad has encouraged me to think about a gospel presentation when I'm meeting people and walking them through kind of like you said, make sure you walk through the points. And I um, I think that's I think that that has its place. I think it's it's solid. So we hand out uh, two ways to live sometimes when we're inviting people to church. That's the that's the track that I'll hand out. And if I have more than a minute or maybe two minutes, I sometimes will just say, "Hey, if you're a Christian already, I want to leave this with you." And the reason I love this track, the way this track presents the gospel, is boom, boom, boom. I walk them through the track. And sometimes I'm kind of measuring: is this person actually a Christian and how they're reacting to this or not? But the vast majority of what I do is not that form of i need to i need to get my four to ten minutes in um i am so much more of the time just asking who are you what what are you struggling with what's what do you think is wrong with you and in their own kind of common grace language identifying what do they already know about um creation and and you know and unbelief and and uh, what they need and then turning that and taking that and and uh, challenging them with the gospel in some way, um, and oftentimes it's the gospel is so surprising that that God has been so good and rich to us. It's not it's not very difficult to do. I, I've met someone recently, orphan, yeah, orphan from from Haiti, um, became a Christian kind of a, through a surprising means a couple of years ago, and is still trying to discern a connection to a church. And uh, I asked him, you know, do you want to read through the Gospel of Mark together? And he said, I've read the Gospels before. And I said, well, I preached the book of Gen- uh, Genesis. Why don't we read the book of Genesis and see how it anticipates Christ? He said, I love to study. I would love to study the Old Testament. No one's ever taught me from the Old Testament. So I tend to be kind of flexible and I try to work with people where they are. And the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. So working from the Bible, applying it kind of one-on-one in different contexts and according to the the, the fabric of where people are is my, my tendency. Um, but again, there are pastors who are so teacher-oriented, they, they, they need to go in with a sense of preparation, and they want to, to deliver a message each time. And you know, there are gospel presentations that work that way and people that work the way. So I'm sensitive to trying to train different people with different strengths at this church to do it you know, in unique ways. I think the Lord will work in a host of different ways. Dale, your thoughts on making that connection from small talk to more substantive, more meaningful conversation? Yeah, I um, I've used often um, the EE question. You know, I, it just as a you know, I I often, you know, I'll tell somebody. I often ask people this: if you know, if you were to die tonight, and God said, you know, why should I let you into my heaven? And that could just become part of a uh, start of a conversation. But I I'm I'm trying to be more bold and really get to the issues more quickly. We had a we had a man attending our church about three years ago. He was the son of my next door neighbor. He's about forty years old. And they would be there. It's a, it's a family from Puerto Rico. So they have big family get togethers and um, uh, I'll, I'll go over there sometimes. And um, so I, I know the family somewhat. And Mikey was coming to, to uh, just start showing up with his two daughters. He was divorced, uh, but he was taking his daughters to church. He probably came, I don't know, 
five times, six times, and not every week, but but it was becoming a, and I would see him, I'd say hi to him, we'd make small talk in the foyer, and um, and then uh, his, I came home, um, and Julio, my neighbor, was uh, by the door uh, weeping, uh, Mikey had just been killed in a motorcycle accident, and that just really convicted me. Uh, I don't know where Mikey was. Uh, he was on a Catholic background, but he was clearly showing genuine interest in a, a, a Christian church and a Christian gospel. And, and I didn't follow up with him. And um, so I just sort of decided I'm going to get to those conversations more quickly. When people come to church, who are you from? You know, who are you? Man, I'm so glad you're here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. If, if we're doing, um, I don't mind having the really, you know, getting to know somebody, but I don't, I don't, I'm not as patient in that sense as I used to be. I kind of want to know where they are and then how can we help you? And, and, uh, work, you know, could, could we walk with you? I'd like to, I would just like to be a little more in just more intentional about that and, and, and move. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, the, Mikey died about a mile from our house, uh, right on a busy street and they got a cross there. So every time I pass that cross, um, I just think about, okay, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to, I don't want to miss that opportunity. Yeah. Wow. As we leave people, wanted to ask both of you, you've each kind of mentioned some resources in passing uh, that seem to be influential to each of you. But I just wondered if, you know, people like to hear, if they'd like to be encouraged in cultivating more of a heart and practice of evangelism in their lives, one or two things in mind, either recently or over the years that have been things that have encouraged you to kind of keep in that maybe daily or weekly stirring and let the Lord, let the Lord work in your heart. Uh, Adrian, couple thoughts, couple, couple resources of some sort in mind. So the, the books that I have read, um, Rico Tice's Honest Evangelism is spectacular for if you want a very kind of basic um, book to work through in a, particularly in a British, you know, more post- Christian a few years down the road from where from where we are maybe in West Michigan way to to press people with the the need to share the gospel that's a great book some of the moments that were very significant when I was I think growing in my sense of commitment to Christ um, the preaching of John Piper has been very very captivating and the the text of scripture being open and the glory of God um, being set. Um, there's something captivating about um, his teaching and preaching that I've always been struck. And I don't, I just don't think it's his personality or his, um, I don't think it's something human. I think the Holy Spirit is uniquely um, at work. Um, but I think any, any um, solid biblical preaching has been so renewing. I go home wanting, when I come home from worship, I, I desire to share the gospel uh, in a fresh way with people. But I, I, I don't have a, a pamphlet or a, a presentation that I think is just like the best thing that's ever been written that that uh, that I think is so transformative that everyone needs to, to read it. No, that's helpful. Looking for things that people could just have on their nightstand or desk and read a couple pages and just be stirred to, to think about things yeah. that maybe aren't, aren't at the forefront of their mind one, that morning one, or that evening. One thing, Jack Miller, he wrote a book as he was dying about all of the experiences of sharing the gospel in random kind of different moments in his life. When I read that, I get kind of tired because it sounds like he was just so busy sharing the gospel uh, in exciting ways. And, I, and, and it makes me feel like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing enough. But, but it's also stirring and really, really encouraging to see stories of people becoming 
believers through his ministry. I'm trying to remember the name of that book. Um, Faith worth sharing. Is that yeah, it? faith worth sharing. Exactly. Yeah. Gail, how about you? A couple of resources that kind of stir your heart and mind to to be thinking about these things. Yeah, I've I've read so many. I I, I think that um, was it uh, Packer Sovereignty of God Evangelism. That was one of the early ones that uh, really convinced me you could be reformed and evangelistic, and uh, they go together. I thought Outgrowing the Ingrowing Church by Jack Miller was um, was helpful to me as a pastor, just to challenge me. Um, I liked. Tyson stuff, but I, you know, things that really, I think, uh, the surprising insights of the unchurched, uh, by Tom Rainer, as well as, uh, breakout churches were two books that maybe I was just ready for them, but they, they, they just really showed me that this is actually possible. It's, it's, we just need a culture shift and we need, we need to, to believe that God could do this. I would encourage guys. One of the things that God used in my life was seeing this happen in practice. There was a church in, in, in Grand Rapids. It, it was an assembly of God church, but it was full of people who had grown up Dutch reform. So it was theologically uh, pretty solid, but they were seeing people converted on a regular basis. And I mean, really converted. I, I you know, friends of mine who were converted there. Uh, so I would encourage guys try to find a model, you know, some church that is actually seeing people come to faith, not a tractional model where they're just seeing, you know, kids show up for the band, but, but where people are actually being converted, that would be, just a wonderful encouragement. And, um, and I think it's one of the most motivating things when you see it actually, actually happening. And then when you see it happening, you can help other people see it happen. So I, I would recommend that to guys give, you know, books are great, but if you could find a, a pastor who's really been able by the grace of God to move forward in that, or a church that's been able to really uh, have a culture like that. And the number isn't 85 to one, but you know, 30, to one, maybe twenty to one. That that would be incredible, and they're they're seeing real adult conversions and baptisms taking place. That w- I think that would, for me, that would be a great resource. And when I think about what I want a harvest to look like, in the back of my mind is that example of uh, of that church I knew when I was younger. I would I would just say so. I've been convicted by uh, prayerlessness for evangelism. So some of the kids came back from Boardwalk Chapel and they were asking me. <laughs> Can we pray? Can we actually spend some time in prayer for non-Christians? So that's a big deficiency for me. I, I tend to just go out there, get out there, do the work, and do not pray nearly as much as I should. So uh, I want to build in prayer meetings and prayer times, particularly with, with kids who want to pray for long periods of time for non-Christians. Um, and God, I just preached on this. God tells us anything you ask in my name, it is going to be the delight of the Father to glorify himself through Jesus actually doing what we ask for. So I think, I, I, I hope that there's a culture of, of growing expectancy that God answers prayer, that he works supernaturally, that he's actually listening to us when we speak to him. And that, that, that will actually shift our priorities. We're going to want to pray more because we know he's actually going to do something through our prayers. Well, thanks you two. We appreciate you taking the time, uh, busy ministries, busy lives to talk about these things. I think people are going to find it really interesting, uh, the, the, the model of harvest and, and being more on the offense for evangelism outreach. Maybe, maybe down the road in a year or two, uh, we can check in, see how things went uh, now that when you're, when you're yeah. not just newly on the road, but we're grateful for your time. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Brad. Um, we're all in this together, aren't we? So we, we just need to uh, keep praying for each other and working, working toward the same goals. So thanks yeah, for having us on. Great to, great to share um, Christ with, with you, Brad, and um, 
excited. I'm, I'm really excited about the work about WordOPC and just grateful to, to see the trajectory of where, where it's headed in our denomination. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.